dead to the world. The dreams have come. Welcome back to, to the, the Dead, dead to, to the, the World podcast. I think we should sing that before every December episode. And if you get sick of it, you won't get sick of it, actually. No. Oh, I think they're it. already sick of it. <laughs> hey, who are you? I'm Lexi. I'm Mama Dawn. I'm Tasha. And we welcome you. No, and we kidding. welcome you. Stop <laughs> saying that. I hate it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again. That's much better. All right. So I know that last time, what were we talking about? School, oh, school dreams? Yes, but wait a second. Lexi notified us that we actually posted on December 5th, not December oh, yeah. 4th. Remember at the beginning oh. of next time, we were like, December 4th is when you're going to be hearing this. It was December 5th. Oh, you're right. So, it was. Well, how embarrassing for us. If you've been listening, you already know we're not very good at looking ahead at times. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, when's this one coming out? Uh, <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lexi said at the end of last episode, she was just like, oh my gosh, we're talking about school dreams. So, guess what? That means I'm going to have a school dream. And I was like, okay, we'll have you tell about it next next time. So, did did you have one? I did. Oh my! Are you? Do you want to tell us serious? about it? Yep, I'll tell you guys. Okay, so I had a dream that I was going on my way to school. I was late for some reason. My boss at my job that I just recently quit was the teacher, and he's very <laughs> intimidating when he gets angry. So I was like, I'm gonna be late, and he's gonna be mad. So I'm walking through like the cafeteria, which is the first time I've ever been in a cafeteria. Oh, oh school dream. Dream. we talked about that. That's interesting. interesting. So I'm in the cafeteria. I run into a coworker or classmate in my dream and I was like oh you're late too and she's like yeah it's not a big deal like we can go get like a drink or something before and then go and I was like yeah I could go for like some soda right now let's go get a drink before we go to class then on our way walking to class she decides to then tell me that she had a note to be late so she wasn't gonna get in trouble (gasps) oh burn but then I was really late because I was like well at least I won't be the only one So we go into class, she hands her little note and sits down with no problems, and my teacher got mad at me, and then all the classmates were, like, looking at me like, oh, Lexi was late. So you were feeling self-conscious? Yes. And then he was like, okay, time to pass up your assignment, and did I have the assignment? No, I didn't. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) And then I woke up. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, our silly insecurities. I'm just really sick of dreaming about everything we talk about. But I guess that's what I signed up for. Well, today we're talking about a parasomnia. Yeah, so and I we don't haven't, have it. So. We haven't talked about parasomnias for a while. We took a little break from parasomnias. So it's been a hot minute. You, this you don't already do, so I doubt you'll start doing it just because we talk about it today. Agreed. Next thing you know. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. You can introduce our topic. All right. So today we are talking about a parasomnia that is also sometimes considered a eating disorder or related to an eating disorder. So I just wanted to bring up a little disclaimer in the beginning. If that is something that would make you feel uncomfortable, then don't listen. Also, I wanted to remind everyone that we do not claim to be experts on this or any other parasomnia. However, if you are someone who has firsthand knowledge with this subject, and would like to reach out to us and give us some uh, feedback or educate us afterwards. Or, or additional information. Yeah, we are more than happy uh, to have you send us an email on that because we are always wanting to learn. Yep. I love learning. And if you need to know that email, it's deadtotheworldpodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. All right, now we'll get into it. All right, so the subject we're talking about today is nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder. Have you guys heard of this before I brought it up? 
No, I had never heard of it. Yeah, I had never heard of it either until I started researching parasomnias, and I found it very interesting. So the sources I used for today were from sleepassociation.org, everydayhealth.com, and the New York Post. So I think everyone can agree that a good bedtime snack is good. A good bedtime <laughs> snack? That made so sense. I think almost everyone likes a good bednight, bednight, <laughs> bedtime snack. Oh my gosh, this okay. is terrible. All right, let me back that up. Lexi, you want to give me a rewind? <laughs> I think almost everyone likes a snack before bedtime. But for some people, nighttime eating stretches far beyond that final bowl of ice cream. These people find themselves inadvertently snacking the night of whey, either knowingly or unknowingly, in the form of a nocturnal eating disorder, or a NED. There are two types of these eating disorders. One is nocturnal eating syndrome, and the other is nocturnal sleep-related sleep disorder. The main difference between them is that the nocturnal eating syndrome, the person is fully aware of their actions, but with the nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder, the person is unknowingly eating while they're asleep. And they say between about 1% and 3% of the population is thought to have had one of these nocturnal eating disorders, which are considered both an eating disorder and a sleep disorder. Interesting. Hmm. So, so it's a parasomnia and just considered a disorder in general. Yeah, an eating disorder. Interesting. So today we're focusing on the second, of course, because we are a sleep-related podcast. Go figure. So we're going to focus on the nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder, or sometimes referred to as NSRED, or NESRED. NESRED. That's how I would say it. Sleep-related eating disorders is considered a parasomnia, like we mentioned. Um, It's an event at which the subject gets out of bed during their sleep hours, sometimes multiple times during one sleep period. They eat or drink often excessively. The subject does not... Uh, does this almost entirely unconsciously, and may have little to no memory of its occurrence. Sleep eating shares many similarities with sleepwalking uh, and may be confused with someone that's sleepwalking. Subjects that are afflicted with the sleep eating disorder will rarely indulge in other activities like sleepwalkers would. And once their eating episode is completed, they will often return back to bed. But like sleepwalkers, Sleep eaters can be extremely difficult to wake up in their state, and trying to do so may result in getting them angry or irritated with you, which really I don't find as a surprise. I don't typically enjoy it when somebody wakes me up when I'm in the middle of sleeping. Yeah, me neither. Even if I am out walking around the house and eating food. So uh, typically sleep eaters tend to have at least one episode every night, and these usually occur regardless of feelings of hunger or thirst. Sleep eaters also tend to eat foods that are high in calories or sugar and may eat foods while sleeping that they would not eat in their waking life. And also, these may be foods that would be socially unacceptable to eat, Mm. such as a whole jar of peanut butter, eating sugar or syrup plain. The food is also consumed much quicker than it would be during waking hours, so they just like really munch down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many times when they find their kitchen a mess the next morning, they have no idea how it got that way. So this one was from the New York Post, and it was from a reporter that worked for the Post called Chris Perez, or called, named named Chris Perez, (laughs) and this is Confessions of a Sleep Eater. So does he have the disorder? He has the disorder, yeah. So it says, for years, reporter uh, Chris Perez didn't know why he'd awaken with half-eaten snacks and crumbs all over his bed. Then a specialist diagnosed him with a rare disorder. 
and he tells his incredible story. So these are in his words. It's 5.30 a.m. The sound of the alarm clock pierces the air, and I sit up and throw the covers off, exposing the edible crime scene from the night before, granola and crackers, two staples in my menu of midnight munchies. Luckily, it wasn't a lap full of peanut butter or Greek yogurt like last time. Perez's sleepy snacking often consists of small foods in large quantities like chips and cereal. I brush away the crumbs before stumbling off, the, off to the bathroom. My stomach is killing me. On the way there, I walk through the kitchen, the epicenter of my trance-induced feast. An open box of crackers sits on the counter filled with nothing but regret. I don't even have to check if it's empty. That's a given. A jar of strawberry jelly sits next to the box with a fork inside. I have no clue why I didn't just use a spoon. Hello, my name is Chris, and I'm a sleep eater. Sound hilarious? Trust me, it's not. And yes, it is an actual thing. A phenomenon known as nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder. It falls under the category of a parasomnia, sleep disorders that occur when a person's brain becomes aroused or stimulated during the rapid eye movement stage of sleep. These are when the vivid dreams occur. And also, there's other disorders that happen during this time, like sleepwalking, night terrors, talking in your sleep, grinding your teeth, and nightmares, to name a few. My aunt, who's been letting me stay in her spare room since I moved to New York City last year from the, the heart of the Bible Belt, has had a front row seat to my strange habit. This boy can eat, she said to herself when she first started to notice how much food was missing from her pantry. But then one night, she heard something rummaging through the cabinets. That's when she walked in to find me chowing down on a box of crackers. She said it reminded her of how my mother used to lie on the couch, feasting on a bag of cookies with her eyes closed, completely passed out. When questioned the next day, my mom would defensively say to my aunt, What are you talking about? I didn't eat any cookies last night. But the proof was right there in front of her. She had never been diagnosed with nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder, but I've seen her sleeping on numerous occasions. Apparently, my peculiar problem runs in the family. In addition to my mother, my grandmother's sister and my cousin have dealt with the headache of sleep eating, making me the third generation sleep eater in my family. So it is in your genetics. Yeah, in their case, it is. And I would imagine that's probably fairly common. I think quite a few of the parasomnias seem to be passed down. Um, let's see, back to the story. My late night binges started around my sophomore year of college. My roommates would often gripe about how I scarfed down all the Pop-Tarts or crushed a whole bag of Lay's. This made me feel terrible, of course, because I honestly had no recollection of it. I did, however, notice that I frequently wasn't hungry until well into the afternoon. Thankfully, I have only indulged while sleeping alone in my bed. My cousin's late night munchies apparently went all around the time he or went away around the time he turned 30. But my great aunt still happens to occasionally eat in her sleep when she is stressed. I'm only 24, so I'm still young enough to hopefully get a grip on this habit before I start a family and force them to have to deal with my snooze-filled debauchery. Recently, I decided enough was enough. I was tired of gaining weight. Since 2009, my weight has fluctuated between 201 and 280 pounds. I'm currently 245, but I've been told my ideal weight is around 220. And then there are the incredible stomach aches I suffer from. My aunt suggested I go to the same doctor who had treated her for sleep apnea. So I headed to Dr. Patel's, a member of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. 
According to Dr. Patel, the, uh, excuse me, nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder only occurs in about 1% to 5% of adults. So in this doctor said a little bit different than what the previous article said. The previous article said 1 to 3, 1 to 5, so around that area. Um, let's see. I was Dr. Patel's first uh, nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder patient, but she mentioned that she had seen someone during training who was diagnosed with nocturnal eating syndrome, a similar but unrelated disorder. So as we mentioned, that's when people are awake when they are eating at night, not asleep. Uh, Dr. Patel sent me to the Sleep Center of Medicine in New Jersey, Inglewood Hospital, last month to learn more about my condition. Researchers observed me sleeping for eight hours while they recorded surveillance video and conducted brave wane. <laughs> wow, I said that backwards. Brainwave. Brainwave analysis. Throughout the night, my brain became stimulated or aroused 122 different times during my REM sleep. Video footage from the study shows me sleeping like a rock as I reach my hand towards my mouth in a move that resembles me snacking on hors d'oeuvres. That's so weird. Yeah, it is. And he said, that's one thing I've noticed about my sleep eating. I like to chow down on tiny foods that are easy to eat continuously, such as granola, chocolate, potato chips, cookies, and cereal, my all-time weakness. Catherine Morgadu, the site administrator of the sleep center, told me that the nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder is most likely triggered by stress and is usually found in those who are dieting, which I have actually been doing for quite some time now. The theory is that if you're consciously denying yourself food, the unconscious brain is undermining you by satisfying the urge to eat at night. In an attempt to shed the weight I'd gained from sleep eating, I have been on a low-carb, low-sugar diet for the past several months. Obviously, my late-night feasts have not been helping my said diet. According to Morgan Dew, parasomnias can be made worse by sleep deprivation and exhaustion, and can also be a side effect of certain medications or symptoms of other medical conditions. When I first started working at the post, my shifts were Friday and Saturday night, which would typically have me getting back home about 1 a.m., and this led to me eating at times that my body would normally be asleep. I've never been one to go to bed early, but even back in my college days when I had a class at 8 a.m., I managed to hit the hay before 11 and 12. I was still waking up for late-night snacks, unknown to me, of course. Dr. Patel prescribed me an SSRI, a class of antidepressant, to help me relax when I sleep. She told me to make sure that I ate a good meal before going to bed to suppress any late-night hunger. And last, and the most entertaining, she suggested that I attach some sort of alarm or buzzer to my bedroom door or cabinets to alert me of my sleep shenanigans. Now, I consider this last part a last resort, as that would be a hassle and completely embarrassing if I had visitors over. But I have started taking Lexapro, which has somewhat tempered my sleep eating behavior. It's typically used to treat depression or anxiety, but I've noticed that I'm now staying asleep longer, and I take it, which means that I'm not getting up as frequently to satisfy my comatose cravings. Still, every few days, just when I think I finally managed to kick my habit, I'll wake up in, the be in a bed filled with food, a Hansel-esque trail of crumbs littering my bedroom and kitchen floors. Come to think of it, maybe an alarm system isn't such a crazy idea after all. For the bedroom door? Yeah, or for the cupboards in the kitchen. So oh, like when okay, he opens yeah. them, it makes some kind of noise to wake right. him up. So, but I thought that that was 
just very interesting. I thought it was, you know, something that seems like it'd be really tough to deal with because, you know, obviously you don't want to be eating all those calories during the night, especially if you're trying to diet. But I thought it was also nice that he seemed to have a good sense of humor about it. Well, that was my uh, my contribution to this episode. And as much as I have been having a difficult talking, thank goodness for edit, you guys. You would be <laughs> hating this episode if you had to listen to me stumble every time over my words. So I am happy to pass the torch to Lexi now to share her part. Okay, so I got this information from everydayhealth.com. And I'm going to go over five facts about nocturnal related sorry, nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder. And um, Mama Dawn mentioned a couple of these things, but it just kind of emphasizes these points from her story. So first, people with nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder eat while they're asleep, and it's when the brain becomes aroused or stimulated during the REM stage of sleep. Um, Sufferers have no recollection of their sleep eating when they wake up in the morning. Their go-to foods for sleep eaters are laden with sugar and carbs, which can cause weight gain. And the nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder is relatively relatively rare, occurring in about 1% to 5% of adults. And the disorder can be made worse by stress, sleep deprivation, or exhaustion. And it can also be a side effect of certain medications or a symptom of other medical conditions. Okay. So the next question that I thought of that you might think of is, how do you know if you have one of these? sleep-related eating disorders. So here are some common symptoms that might occur if you have one of these disorders and some of them, sorry, when I say one of them, I'm talking about the nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder or just the... The nocturnal eating syndrome? Yes, nocturnal eating syndrome. So this could be either. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you frequently wake up at night and feel that you must eat in order to go back to sleep. That's for the nocturnal eating syndrome. So like if you're awake when Mm -hmm. you eat, but you just have to eat. Yeah, like you genuinely feel like you cannot sleep unless you eat something. Okay. You eat more food after dinner than during dinner. More than half of your daily food intake comes after dinner time. Interesting. More than half? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Because they're eating at nighttime, so you're not hungry during the morning time. Oh, that makes sense. Just like this guy said that he wasn't hungry until early afternoon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, The next one is that you have, like we just said, little or no appetite in the morning for breakfast. And then seeing evidence of nocturnal eating when you get up in the morning, such as food left out on the counter or a disheveled kitchen. Disheveled? Disheveled kitchen. Oh, I'm like, disheveled. That would make sense too, I think. (laughs) I guess that's true. Yeah, if your shelves are empty in the morning. And then the last one that they had on this article was just experiencing significant weight gain. And that's like without, you know knowledgeable that you are intaking that much so you're like what in the heck how am i gaining all this weight i'm not eating that much yeah i feel like that would be like i mean i don't know because i'm not a professional but i feel like that would be like a number one sign Mm -hmm. well i feel like the number one sign would be waking up and there's like wrappers everywhere and stuff and you're like okay number two sign (laughs) (laughs) so i got a story from a reddit user their um username was starving courtney but oh courtney i'm sorry they have um nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder, and they shared a little bit about their experience. Can I just say that saying nocturnal sleep-related eating disorder is kind of like a tongue twister. I it is like a little. It's hard to say. Say it five times fast right now at home. I was giving them time to try to say it. I know. So was I. It was like three <laughs> seconds and I didn't even know where to start. Well, that's how you know how hard it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So on to Courtney's um, Reddit post. It says, I've decided to create this account and go by the pseudonym Courtney. Anyone coming across this who may know me personally may already know Courtney, but that's all right. 
I am a 27, soon to be 28 year old male that has been suffering from this disorder for about 15 years now. I get up out of bed multiple times a night and eat copious amounts of food, typically anything high in fat or sugar while I'm still completely asleep. When I wake up in the morning, you can imagine I typically feel full, embarrassed, and will not eat for the first half of the day, sometimes called morning anorexia. I finally got to a sleep doctor a few months ago and started taking a medication that unfortunately stopped working. There is very little they currently can do for me other than add medications or increase my dose and hope for the best. When I was younger, this wasn't a bit as big of an issue. My metabolism was better. However, in the last few years, I have gained a large amount of weight. I have been having to diet and exercise to try to balance out my unconscious eating habits. I've managed to lose 15 pounds of the 50 I've gained through diet and exercise, but it's been a slow battle. Every morning, I still find the mess Courtney, my nightly binge-eating twin, leaves behind in the kitchen. Oh, I get it. Okay. So it's like her al- I was like, his alter yeah, ego is yeah. Courtney. Okay. I like it. I like it too. Peanut butter fingerprints spread... Breadcrumbs, 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 breadcrumbs. I thought you were just going to say peanut butter spread. So I thought you were doing good and then you corrected yourself. Let me try that again. Okay. Peanut butter, fingerprints, breadcrumbs, and lids not properly replaced onto the carton of almond milk, etc. Sometimes what I eat throughout the night can account to half a day's worth of calories. So quite a bit. I've definitely seen the comical side to all of this and even considered placing cameras in my kitchen to try to catch myself in these situations, as I've only ever heard friends and family tell me about how I do this and tell me about Courtney's wild personality. But first and foremost, I want to try to combat this as a health issue. The weight gain, emotional toll, and disturbance it has on my sleep over the last decade and a half has weighed me down quite a bit. So someone actually responded to their Reddit post, and I don't want to share what they said because they mentioned that they themselves don't suffer from this disorder, and I feel like their comment wasn't very necessary or helpful or educational. Okay. (laughs) But I did want to share what Courtney's response was to it because I felt like it brought more insight into what it's like living with the disorder. So did the person who commented was kind of ignorant about it? Like, had an inner attitude? They were more just like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing Uh, that? And they're like, well, I don't have this disorder, but I really think you should be doing these things. And I was just kind of like, well, if you don't have it. Yeah, no, you don't have it. You know what I mean? Just like we don't have it, so we can't say it. It came off kind of rude to me. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to read what they said. It wasn't helpful. So, and their response still makes sense. So the response was, I have actually stopped buying a lot of my favorite foods, milk, peanut butter, and fruit preserves, because I'll consume the whole package in a single night. Sometimes I let my partner have these things in the house because I can't stop him from having some luxuries, you know? We both like to bake, and if he wants to bake cookies, I'm not going to stop him from buying some chocolate chips. I just ask him to hide them. We've discussed padlocks, but the aesthetics and the annoyance it may cause for him to get into cabinets poses an issue. This is a nightly occurrence. I have literally been getting up at least once, usually twice a night, to binge eat for a little over a decade. Now that I have been getting medication, it's slowed down a bit. It's a win if I have a night that I don't do it at all. Apparently, it is indeed stress-related, although I myself can't say that I'm under any particular amount of great stress. I am in regular therapy and check in with my sleep therapist regularly. I've recently, within the last half year, quit drinking and smoking marijuana, which, funny enough, can also increase episodes. Hopefully, once I've gotten further out from my quit date, the episodes will decrease in number again. Well, it sounds like he's doing all the right things to try to get some help. Yeah, like he's doing everything he possibly can. It sucks when it comes to stuff like this that a ton of people don't have because there isn't a ton of research. All right, Tasha, what do you have? Well, if you haven't already guessed, 
you're talking about nocturnal sleep related eating disorder. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So in regards to the sleep related eating disorders, I'm doing like complications slash treatment. So okay. here we go. All right. In regards to complications, um, a sleep related dis eating disorder could result in, I mean, one obviously dangerous use of kitchen appliances. If they were to make something and not just eat, you know. Like like, the stove or like knives and stuff. mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I'm just going to say just because somebody has an eating disorder doesn't mean they just go eat everything. Who knows? They might make something and then eat it, you know. So appliances, falls, cuts, burns, um, injuries from eating something maybe toxic or inedible or eating something that they might be allergic to. Yeah, that's really scary. Bet you didn't think about that, did you? I didn't think about that. Next one, of course, as we've kind of mentioned, health problems such as weight gain. Uh, One to mention is poor diabetes control and dental cavities. Didn't think about that one, did you? Because they're not like brushing before they go back to sleep. Yeah. And then I guess you said like diabetes control, but I bet it probably could cause diabetes too with the weight gain. It probably could. Like I said, I, you know, if you've been listening, I'm the doctor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I would think that that probably would yeah. be the case. Or it was could actually be. in one of the articles that I was reading. It talked about causing type 2 diabetes, hypertension, which is high blood pressure and depression. Wow. Yeah. So and then, of course, if you already have diabetes, then you're not awake to control your blood sugars. And that can be a little yeah, crazy. So you can cause it to spike in the middle of the night and then not be having your insulin because you're not logically taking care of yourself like you would during the day true and then feeling of guilt or helplessness wow i can't helplessness. speak helplessness helplessness over the lack of control yeah that's gotta that be a bad have. feeling yeah that's what courtney was saying or what's the alter ego what's the name starving courtney starving courtney mm-hmm. and then also like daytime tiredness from being disrupted throughout your sleep cycle so not only is it causing the weight gain and such that would come with food, but then also you're being tired because you're getting up and you're not getting a good restful sleep. And then also like emotional troubles as well. So and then guilt, like, helplessness. Yeah. In my story too, like the stomach aches, like eating, like eating beyond what you normally would eat. So your stomach hurts. True. And then I did get some information in regards to how you could treat sleep eating um, from piedmont.org they say it may be tempting to lock your cabinets and drawers to prevent sleep eating but a doctor and I, I don't know how to say this name it's I I can't even try the spelling is I-A-T-R-I-D-I-S huh? I'm not going to try to Let say it see. either I want to see it okay hold on please pause Ayatritis? I don't know. Yeah, don't say it. Ayatritis? Ayatritis? No, I literally would just butcher it as Lux just did. Okay. Anyway, so the doctor says that if you are taking a sleeping pill and that is what is causing the condition, you may need to switch your medication or even better wean off of the sleeping pill. So, I mean, we kind of just kind of went over that a little bit too, that a medication could be an issue and a treatment is to look into that and see if that's the cause what can we change Mm -hmm. sometimes antidepressants they say like prozac are used to treat sleep eating and stress reducing techniques and practicing good sleep habits can also help okay 
And then I also did get some information from WebMD.com saying that treating of a sleeping-related disorder begins with an interview and may include overnight stays in a sleep lab. And then again, of course, they're in a sleep lab, they they would uh, kind of monitor like brain activity during the night. Again, medication can be helpful for the disorders. However, it does say in this article that sleeping pills should be avoided because it could increase confusion and clumsiness, which could lead to injury if you're in the kitchen. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. Additional treatments may include methods... Methods? Methods? Not methods. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not what I meant to say. Methods including stress management classes, counseling, and limited intake on the alcohol and the caffeine. And I think Lexi mentioned in one of her stories. Yeah, he limited. The only story. He limited alcohol and marijuana. And then mayoclinic.org, again, just kind of goes into the same idea that medications could be triggers and so stopping or changing them could contribute to treating the disorder and i mean i will say now that it is a rare ish disorder and so there's not a lot that they really know so i mean i've kind of mentioned medications multiple times but that's because that's what you find online (laughs) yeah well and it's it sounds like it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, some medication can cause the disorder and make it worse, and then and, some medications right. can slow it down and make it not as bad. Exactly. Um, and then sleep-related eating disorder may also be reduced by um, treating another sleep disorder that is associated. So, and the list they have here is sleepwalking, restless leg syndrome, and obstructive sleep apnea. So if you have apnea, sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, or you sleepwalk, it's possible that if you treat one of those first, then you could treat the eating disorder portion of the disorder. Interesting. Interesting. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> trippy. Well, I mean, we've noticed a lot of parasomnias are connected and are there treatments. That's true. That makes sense. So safety strategies, saying your doctor may recommend strategies to ensure safety and offer education and offer, excuse me, education to your bed partner or household members on how to safely or gently put you back to bed without using restraints or awakening you. Uh, and that goes for a lot of parasomnies as well, not like disrupting them within their episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the strategies may also include changes to the sleep routine. So maybe you need to go to bed earlier. Maybe they want you to wake up, you know, 30 yeah. minutes and then do, I don't know. I'm just Have making up stuff. sleep but hygiene. Yeah. There you and go. that doesn't mean take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe before bed. Wasn't it? When we talked about the REM sleep disorder where your body doesn't paralyze. Mm-hmm. What's that called again? Say it again. <laughs> the the parasomnia where your body doesn't paralyze. So you I like think act it was out your REM sleep disorder. Oh, yeah. yeah. REM sleep okay, disorder. I said it right. REM sleep disorder. Um, a lot of those stories, they like, like strapped themselves down or mm-hmm. they woke up every so often so that they wouldn't get to REM sleep. Oh. Which they were saying worked, remember, but then it sucks because you never are you get well tired. rested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's true. And I think they we also mentioned that in that episode about like they would like move their dressers or put pillows everywhere mm-hmm. or stuff like that. So yeah, just basically changing your sleep routine could be beneficial. Mm-hmm. That's hard though. I hope eventually they come out with more ways to treat these because that's not a happy that 
you know, that yeah. sucks to have to live like that. Like you have to give up something to prevent something else. And that's just hard. Yeah. Or, or like Jackie. I mean, she literally had to give her keys to her landlord so she wouldn't drive at night mm-hmm. from true. the sleepwalking episodes. And so. then she's late for work in the morning. She's like, where's my keys? Oh, yeah. I got to run to Jerry's the next door. Just kidding. I Never mind. You don't know their names. That <laughs> was all made up. I know. Um, so lifestyles and home remedies in addition to a treatment plan could be like lifestyle changes in general. So um, environmental changes. So maybe make your sleep area, kitchen, obviously safer, avoid injuries. Consider storing the food typically eaten during your episode in like an outside kitchen or placing locks on the cabinet or fridge, which I kind of mentioned before they say, yeah, you can lock your cabinets in your fridge and all of that, but but that's not really going to help you solve the issue. It's just kind of preventing you from getting to the food. Mm-hmm. So you might want to ask your doctor or whatever. Yeah. Actually get down to the definitely. problem. Yeah. All of this advice too, like we mentioned before, we're not experts. We just got this from online. So definitely go to your doctor if you're concerned. Um, again, sleep habits, you know, wake up times, go to bed and do it the same each or do it the same each day. Each. The routine. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, I'm just mumbling over literally, here. Literally, <laughs> like we've we mentioned multiple times, like I find that so difficult. I get up at the same time each day, but I don't go to bed at the same time each day. And then again, the last one was just being focused on staying healthy. So it, again, it brought up like alcohol and uh, tobacco usage and that those could cause trigger or be triggers to cause episodes. Mm-hmm. And essentially that is what I had. So when I was researching, you know, just subjects of sleep and dreams before we set up the podcast, I had actually found some information on the subject that I thought I saved to use for today's episode. But when I was looking for it, I couldn't find it. But I just wanted to share with you because it was really interesting. So there was a woman who had shared a story. And unfortunately, I don't remember where I got it or where I read it. So I can't tell you the source. But she was uh, had suffered from anorexia for years And so she was eating at night instead of, you know, during the day. And when she got treatment for both um, the sleep eating and also her anorexia, she just um, wrote this blog post and she was talking about how amazing our bodies are because her, like sometimes she would wake up and she would have been eating from like a jar of Crisco or eating a whole stick of butter, just things that were super, super high in fat. And she was like, yeah, like my body knew that I needed those calories in order to survive. And so it was making sure I got it at night. So I think in some situations like that, it's a blessing, not that you want to be the sleep eating, but in that particular person's situation, it actually saved her because she could have died because she wasn't getting the calories she needed during the day. That makes sense. So it's kind of like in her circumstance... It became a survival. It became technique. a survival. Yeah, well, I'm assuming it stopped after she got the treatment. You yeah, said. yep. After she um, went to, I think I'm sure some kind of therapist and doctors, and or like a rehab. Yeah, and was able to get her eating under control and get to a healthy eating. Then yeah, she wasn't doing the sleep eating anymore. That's, That's really interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I do know I have a coworker who actually has this disorder. Really? Yeah. I, I did ask, I tried to get some information from her, but she kind of works from home, kind of doesn't. So she's only like in, in the office when we have like some big like company meeting or something. Oh, gotcha. So I don't see her all the time. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really able to like talk, talk with her, but I do know she mentioned it is always sweet. So like cakes and cookies and stuff of that. Um, and she, I think it's been going on for a while. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really get much information, but she did say that, yes, it's like a real thing. She's dealt with it a while and it's always like sugary stuff. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. 
yeah, I just, it's amazing what stuff we've been able to learn. I hope you guys are enjoying learning all these new things. I think it's interesting how many, you know, like disorders or parasomnias, like this kind of stuff that you, we've never heard about. Like people suffer with this stuff. Like literally they said it usually happens at least once a night and no, we've never heard about it. And I'm sure plenty of other people haven't either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if we have heard about it, it was kind of like, oh, but we didn't really know about it. Yeah. Or we so, didn't think it was a real thing. Well, I, I always thought it was real, but I just didn't know the details. Well, well, like just the stuff we've talked, like the sleep sex episode and stuff. I had heard about that before, but I was like, that's not real. Mm-hmm. And then I we did you. research about it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's very, very it's real. very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was going to say too, like here we are thankful to just have a restful night of sleep and then here other people are dealing with something that like they're struggling with and it's like, I don't know, it's good to bring that knowledge and like awareness awareness to the world, I guess we'll say. So we aren't experts obviously on anything, but we are grateful for the opportunity that some people at least listen to us and we hope that, you know, you learned something. We would like to provide enlightenment, enlightenment. as much as we can. Yes. So, but I think that's all we had, right? Yeah, for today? that's all we have today. A little shorter, but yeah. good information. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, we did get a listen from Wyoming. Finally. So, finally. Thank you. Wyoming. Thank you, Wyoming. Welcome to the Dead to the World podcast. Family. Dream, dream team. team. Dream oh, team. Go wow. dream team. Go dream team. Go dream team. Go dream team. Go dream team. Go. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, I don't know what that was, but I did want to say again, like we appreciate all of the ratings and reviews that we've received so far, and it really does help. So if you could go out to um, Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Podchaser and give us a review, like actually write a review, that is amazing. We would really appreciate it. Amazing. And... Uh, again, our email is dead to the world podcast at gmail.com and all our socials are dead to the world podcast. And that leaves nothing for me to say. So join us next week to find out what happens when we are dead, dead to the world. world.